You're listening to another sermon by Pastor Michael Zapata from the Potter's House Christian Church. Book of John, chapter 5. I, uh, I, I was born in Australia, uh, moved to Argentina when I was a young boy and then came back. And so, uh, realistically, I've spent most of my time uh, in Australia uh, but there is still that little foreign part of me that uh, you know doesn't understand everything about the English language or even uh, uh, you know how things function correctly. And so I, I discovered recently that the Australian coat of arms has a picture of an emu and a kangaroo for a specific reason. And uh, the reason why the Australian coat of arms uh, shows both the emu and the kangaroo is because both of these animals have a common trait uh, that appealed to the Australian forefathers. Emus and kangaroos can only move forward. They cannot move backwards. Their three-toed foot of the emu makes it fall uh, if the emu steps back and the kangaroo's large tail prevents it from moving backwards. Uh, And so if you could just uh, think about this uh, picture at how profound it is when it comes to uh, the necessity for us in order to uh, uh, make uh, uh, new friends, in order for us to step into new arenas, uh, in order for us to try new things, there must be that mindset of being willing to move forward. In the passage of scripture we're about to read, There is a man that has been afflicted with an infirmity on his body that has prevented him from being able to move forward into the blessing of God. And I wonder this morning how many I have in this very auditorium, myself included, that have maybe been stagnant, that maybe have had the brakes put on their faith, that maybe have stopped venturing out, stepping forward, trying to reach all that God has. But I have a word for you this morning from God, and that is it's time to move. Book of John, chapter 5. We're going to be reading verse 1 through to 10. The Bible says these words. Bless you. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now they were in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, a pool, uh, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew knew that he had already been there in that condition a long time. He said... Do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Verse 10, listen to this. Then the Jews therefore said to him who was cursed, Is it? 
uh, it is the Sabbath. It is not lawful for you, for you to carry your bed. Time to move. I want to look firstly and focus on the house of kindness. It is very easy to get fixed uh, uh, minds in regards to uh, uh, maybe the possibility of the universe being against us. How many have ever heard that quote uh, from uh, Murphy, if anything can go wrong, uh, it will go wrong. And so this is this very, uh, uh, you know, just uh, uh, debilitating uh, mindset that we have many times embraced. Uh, something uh, is going good for a period of time and then you feel as though this is only seasonal. Something bad uh, is along, uh, uh, coming along the way. Or maybe, you know, all things happen in threes. How many of you have heard that? It's like that happened bad. That happened. Something else is going to happen. Uh, it's just a matter of time. And so it's very easy to embrace this concept and it can infiltrate our mind into every aspect of life now i'm going to make a very bold statement here this morning and i hope you don't throw stones at me but i have come to the realization that ikea is from the devil bear with me any company that takes my hard-earned money to only have to go home and work furthermore to have that product that I purchased and now I have to build it, it's got to be from the devil. Can everybody say amen? It's like, what happened? Why did I pay? Now I have to work. And it's this whole reality that somehow we've embraced where it's like, well, it's Ikea. Let's go there, shop around. You are signing yourself up for more work in the future. So I got that out of the way. Back to my sermon. Here is this mindset that many times we can have. People have it in for us. These people don't like me. They're talking about me. They only want to hurt me. And so if we're not careful, this mindset can begin to breed into every aspect of our lives. Now, what's interesting about this scripture, the irony of this scripture is that where this miracle is going to transpire for this man that has been afflicted for 38 years is in a place that can be translated Bethesda as the house of kindness. This is a place where kindness ought to reside and yet we find out that the opposite is happening. In fact, in the very house of kindness, we see nothing but selfishness being promoted. 38 years this man has sat by this pool and not received the miracle that he desperately needed verse 7 of our text the bible says the sick man answered him sir i have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up but while i'm coming another steps down before me now while i'm in the mood of venting my frustrations another thing that taught my attention this week was when people cut in line i need to compose myself how many have ever witnessed this or even have it done to you? Where it's like, what am I, made of glass here? You didn't see me standing here waiting to get in line next? I was waiting at the Helensvale uh, ANZ and they have one, maybe two tellers. A line that went all the way 
to the actual front door. And as I'm standing there, I've got my two kids. I am no doubt out of, you know, we just want to get to the front. Uh, and so I just happen to just sit down. I've got two kids. I've got a little bit of food for them to just stay occupied. Nate is running around. I'm trying to just hold him down. I'm this close to just masking him down to the floor uh, so he stops moving. And so I, the only way to immobilize him is to just feed him. Just stop moving and eat. But as I sat down, I just noticed that some people thought, well, this man <laughs> doesn't want, to, he's not very, you know, he's not in a rush. He's got plenty of time. He might lay down and sleep. And so they're nudging around. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. Any parent knows that time is very valuable. But here is selfishness being seen in this house of kindness. That instead of being willing after many years, listen, you've waited here two years. That's a long time to be waiting, right? Anyone who's called Centrelink or even any, you know, phone, it's like, come on. <laughs> but you've waited. We've, we are so sorry to keep you waiting on the line. We have someone that's going to take care of you in just a short period of time. And then lo and behold, somebody else jumps in. All of a sudden, the delay increases and we grapple with this reality. How can this happen? How does this injustice happen in the house of kindness? Uh, but the truth is, is that this is an old time prophecy. This is verse 1 and verse 2 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. In those last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves. Right there. Stop it. We are in the last days where men and women would rather put themselves in front of others disregard what they're thinking what they're feeling what they've gone through and no doubt place themselves first listen to me selfishness is rampant and it has happened since the fall of man and it is trying to infiltrate the church the house of kindness is being assaulted by selfishness where men and women together ought to be working with one another now are finding themselves wrestling battling with each other fighting over the most irrelevant realities of life and listen to me we need to as a church stand and fight against selfishness can I get an amen okay good Genesis 9, verse, uh, four, uh, chapter 4, verse 9, the Bible says uh, that God asked Cain, where is your brother? And Cain answers uh, in a very sarcastic and rude manner, I do not know, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, just think about what's oozing, the, the vile vomit that is coming out of his mouth by speaking like that in that tone of voice to the, the Father of heaven and earth. Who is this man? I mean, God should have just... I, I'm sorry. You're, you're gone. Be gone. Selfish. As a parent, you're always... Ask nicely. How do, you, how do we say that politely? 
children need to be taught to be nice and to be reverent and to understand the importance of not being selfish and share. Why? Because it begins to destroy a house of kindness. How many times I had to yell through the doors and walls, share with your brother, share with your sister. Why? Because it's just that selfishness that rises up. And this is the battle that we face as Christians, always trying to, you know, break down and be the nice guy. Christians are always looked upon as you're the nice Christian. You need to turn the other cheek. You need to forgive. You need to play nice. You need to share. And yet we have those uh, uh, mindsets that we wrestle around when we ultimately do not want to become pushed over. We don't want to be uh, uh, overridden or even undermined. Matthew eleven twelve. the Bible says, from that day, John the Baptist, until now the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force in other words if you are not careful this is how the house of kindness turns into the house of selfishness that now before the very multitudes 38 years instead of saying to this gentleman we can see you're afflicted why don't you jump and get your miracle where they're pushing him back pulling him down as Christians, we must fight. One man said that I'm going to get the biggest sword and call it kindness, and I'm going to kill my enemies with kindness. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> but it's a fight that if we're not careful, we begin to compromise and allow selfishness to reign as preeminence and uh, take the position of power but this is the challenge for us in order for us to be recipients of all that god has we must be willing to deal uh, with the selfishness in our hearts and the selfishness that surrounds us uh, and allow kindness uh, to be uh, exalted so let's look secondly this morning at the stagnant self-pity because here is another issue that has risen up while this man has been waiting 38 years and yes being violated and taken advantage of for many of those years now he's beginning to indulge because this is the effects of selfishness that it can have upon us begins to infiltrate us in the arena of self-pity now i'm not one who has ever won a jackpot or the lottery and I'm sure many of us, if not 100% of us, could probably uh, say that maybe we've won one or two getaways. Nobody here possibly has ever won a car uh, or uh, an apartment when you've signed in for those raffles. Uh, but the truth is, we are not worse off by it, are we? We're still functioning. Life is still uh, uh, going on smoothly, and we still persevere. We've learned that we're not always going to be winners. There are some winners, there's some losers, and there's just people that go through life and continue, uh, irregardless to whether their names are in bright lights uh, or uh, irregardless to what's happening around us. I read about a man who uh, 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 went in to uh, uh, try to claim his prize after the machine that he had purchased his lottery ticket had actually uh, uh, done a glitch on his ticket. 
And so he went home only to realize that the very numbers that were printed out were wrong and it actually was the ones that won. And so he asked for certain numbers, he said these things, and uh, the computer glitch happened. And so when he put in his ticket to claim his lottery prize, it said there was no prize. He fought it and had to spend his money in order to try to find retribution, only to be given a check for five pounds. He said, I actually spent $18.50 on this ticket and I've only got five pounds back and I've spent uh, hundreds of my money trying to get my case put forward. Uh, the truth is, is that life many times is not fair. We must be careful not to become those people that begin to whine and complain or even be filled with an attitude of self-pity. Why? Because here self-pity begins to even reject or even come against Jesus Christ. Listen to the voice of self-pity when Jesus asks him a very simple question do you want to be made well? The answer should be yes. I've been here 38 years. I think it's my turn. Right? Simple. Yes. And yet this man answers with one of the most complicated answers ever right now. He says in these words, after he'd been asked, the sick man answered, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, another steps in before me. In other words, he's saying, What do you think I'm doing here for? Why have I been lying here for 38 years? Instead of just answering yes, he complicates his situation. He begins to divulge information. Listen, Jesus is there to do a miracle on your behalf. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't need the backstory. He can do it if you're just willing. But self-pity rises up. Oh, it's how I was raised. Oh, it's the color of my skin. Oh, it's the government. It's my family. It's my culture. And Jesus is there saying, I want to move on your behalf. But you are holding on to this past. You are stagnant because of self-pity. You are indulging in your own self-pity and now you're in a place where Jesus Christ can move. But self-pity rises up. You know, the devil's strategy is to wear out the saints. It's incremental. I'm sure that this man, the first month or two, he was there just uh, waiting in anticipation. I know my turn will come around. He was even probably ushering others. You go first before me. That's fine. I'll wait my turn. And yet, then finally, 38 years goes past, uh, and the issue is not the issue anymore. Now it's like, well, you know what? I, I can't. It's not going to happen anymore. Listen to Matthew 17, 20. Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, have faith of a mustard seed. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. 
You know what that scripture highlights? Is the power of our own doubt and unbelief. And let me make this statement. That God cannot bless what you've already cursed. God says, I want to move. And you go, yeah, but I can't. There's so much, you know, that weighs me down. There are so many issues. What, what am I, you know, uh, uh, Jesus says, I want to bless. And you go, yeah, but you know what? There's not enough money in the banks to be able to get me out of debt. Oh, I want to provide for you a husband. Oh, yeah, but you know what? All of them, they always stuff me around and they leave me, uh, you know, heartbroken. And I want to, and the problem that we face many times is because of self-pity. We've cursed our situation. God wants to bless, but how can He? Every time He tries to bless, you curse over it. It's not going to happen. If anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. And you override God's blessing because of what you say, because of what you speak, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And listen to me, if you're not careful, you've been affected. Yes, we've been violated. Yes, we've found ourselves in difficult situations. Yes, there is so many injustice in lives. But listen, don't allow the stagnating power of self-pity to destroy the blessing that God has for you this morning. Don't get too excited, please. We're in church. God wants to pour out His blessing upon your life. But have you cursed the very things God's trying to bless? Listen to what Jesus says. Do you want to be made well? And what should He have replied? Yes. Do you want a miracle? Yes. Do you want to be set free? Do you want to experience God's power? Some of you are still not convinced. <laughs> You're kind of like, maybe? Yes? There's a, there's a question there. Have you indulged in self-pity? God... I've cursed what you've tried to bless. My marriage is terrible. My husband never puts the toilet seat down. My wife, all she does is nag, nag, nag. And you've, you want God to bless your marriage? You want God to provide you? How? How? When every time he tries, we curse. I want to look thirdly in closing, the fact that we need to rise up. What you need to understand is that in the presence of Jesus, we find always the fact, the ability to move forward. It's always in the flow. Jesus is moving. He went from city to city. He traveled from town 
to town. And as he did that, it was a momentum that he was beginning to bring up. And what you need to realize is you need to jump into the very momentum of what God is doing. You have to be a part of what God is doing. It's, it's not us, a matter of fact, bringing God to where we're at. We're going to where he is in order to experience the movement of God. John 10, 4.10, the Bible says, Jesus answered him and said, If you knew the gift of God, many times we lack the understanding of the God that we serve. Here is a woman that said, you know what? I want to complicate the situation. I don't want to bring and provide water for this man. And so he says, if you would have known... Give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. In other words, he's saying that what I have for you will make you, will meet every need, every desire that you've ever had. Why? Because this is the nature of God. There is movement. It is not stale. It is not stagnant. There is a momentum to the presence of God. And so here he is, Jesus Christ, in a 38-year issue he in one moment says, rise up, take up your bed, and move out of here. One thing that I hate doing, sorry, I shouldn't say hate, I strongly dislike, <laughs> is moving house. Can everybody agree? Moving house, again, I think that is another dimension of hell, where it's like you have good furniture that you've paid for, and you get even, you pay removalists to grab your furniture, please. It says fragile on there, be careful, and then kung, kung. You'll think, oh, never mind, never mind. It's only a, you know, expensive piece of furniture, but that's fine. Moving is a difficult thing we all dislike. But in this circumstance, in this situation, the inability to move would prevent this man from ever reaching all that God had for him. If he didn't move, he wouldn't see. He wouldn't be delivered from his infirmity. And many times it comes against everything that we naturally want to do. We want to remain. We don't want to fight. We don't want an argument. We don't want to bring up controversial issues. We just want... To just coast. But what I'm asking you this morning, and what I'm trying to reveal to you, that with Jesus Christ, there is the power to move forward and gain all that He has for you. But number one, rising up involves you wanting that miracle. You know, when we were doing that little thing before, it's like, you want to see the blessing of God. I mean, you know, there was a few people that, yeah. Most of us are like, uh-huh, yeah. Why? Because when we talk about the dimension of miracles, that's a supernatural area. We're not accustomed. It's not like, you know, we walk through and there's a miracle there, a miracle there, a miracle. I mean, most of life is just real and physical and, and, and it's, it's not a supernatural walk every day. But here is where Jesus Christ lives. He works in the supernatural. 
And it is absolutely polar difference when it comes to wanting what God has because Jesus says when you pray, usher what is in heaven on earth. And that is, we don't know, we, we gr- to try to grasp all that heaven consists of. It's a foreign concept, but yet here is the reality. You want to you wanna move forward? You want to see a difference in your finances and your marriage with your children? You've got to want that miracle. How bad do you want it? You know, it's funny, humorous, uh, listening to the commentators when they're talking about the game that they just lost, right? How many ever heard the, the excuses? Well, you know, they just showed up with their best team. It's like, yeah, that, that's the whole point, right? Well, they just aren't shun us, you know? They came in that second half and they wanted it more than us. What are you talking about? Were you not playing the same game? Were you not playing? Were you not practicing and you know doing everything like the other team? But all of a sudden they say, "Oh well, you know they just they just had faster legs than us." No, they didn't. You're supposed to be the best of that team, but they didn't want it. You know, there's a dimension. The supernatural, when we step out and say, I want that miracle. Number two is being willing to pick up your bed. When Jesus said, it is now time to move on. It is now time to see God move supernaturally. You're going to have to pick something up. It's going to take some heavy lifting. And listen to me this morning. This is a time for you to be able to participate in what God is doing. Like you, we, we sung together. How many know it's, it's better to sing together? Together than a cappella by ourselves, right? When we're together, we're picking up uh, our part and we're doing our bit. Uh, listen to me, there is a, 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 a work that is being established uh, as you participate in this reality. Uh, listen to me this morning, uh, there is the power of God being released every single day, but your willingness to play your part. Pick up the bed for God to move supernaturally. Let me tell you, God is here. God can provide. But can you grasp this reality when Jesus says, it's time to pick up your bed. It's time to do some heavy lifting. In other words, it's time to pray. God, I want a miracle. Well, don't just cry out, pray. God, I want you to move supernaturally. Well, don't just make some noise. Begin to fast. Begin to cry out. Do your bit. Pick up your bed. Number three is being willing to fight for your miracle. You have to understand something. That the devil's not happy when you now begin to be Contending for a miracle, you're willing to pick up your bed. The devil didn't go, oh, well, I I lost. I tried, but I lost. You can mark it down every single time that you make the decision to contend for a miracle. God, I want you to move in this area. And then you go, okay, I'm going to pray and fast, or I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to contend for this. 
You can guarantee it. The devil, he's going to fight back. He's going to push. He's going to give you a little nudge and be like, oh, oh, okay. And at that moment, your declaration, I want you to move, Jesus, in my life, is going to be challenged by the devil. I find it fascinating. Every single time someone receives a miracle, all of a sudden they begin to find themselves in a battle. And I read verse 10 of our scripture and I was so offended. This is why it's this wonderful miracle. 38 years, Jesus comes. uh, Do you want to be made well? He gives an excuse and then finally responds, uh, yes. uh, And so Jesus, rise up, take your bed and leave. And he's there, springing his step. He's excited. He's got a miracle. And he comes to the religious people. And they go, oh, we've noticed something. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Today's the Sabbath, right? Uh, uh, yes, today's the Sabbath, yes. Should you be carrying your bed on the Sabbath? Uh, Jesus said he healed and he my, but uh, it is not lawful for you to carry your bed? You get to that verse 10 and you think, you've just... You missed this. You completely, the guy has been healed and you want to talk about whether it is lawful to carry a bed? 38 years. You know what I would have done with that bed? (laughs) It's a violent service, isn't it? (laughs) That is how I cannot fathom how people can miss what God's doing. But listen to me. God does a miracle on your behalf. You can guarantee it. Devil's going to fight you for it. How bad do you want it? You want the bed? All right, you keep the bed. There you go. Now you deal with this bed. You don't want me to carry the bed? No problem. There it is. He fought for his miracle. And immediately he was resisted. But listen to me, the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than that of this world. And what God has done in each and every one of our lives is a miracle. Your salvation is a miracle. Your sanity is a miracle. What God has done in your finances, in your marriage with your children, it's a miracle of God. But don't fail to understand this morning, the devil is still striking. He wants to throw you off your guard. He wants to take away the miracle that God has given you. And you need to be willing in order to understand And moving forward, it means you have to fight for that miracle, to keep it. Let me just say this. The devil ain't happy you're here. He's not. He's not saying, oh, I'm so glad. I really am so happy for them. Just to see them blossom in the presence of the Lord Jesus. He's not happy about the commitment you're going to make in the next five minutes at this altar. The devil ain't happy about your willingness to surrender whatever issue is fa- you're facing 
in just a few moments and give it to Jesus and say, Lord, I want you to give me wisdom. I want to, he, the devil is not sitting at the door going, that is just a fantastic service this morning. Praise the Lord. The moment you step out those doors, you best be ready. That shield of faith. You best be ready. The helmet of salvation. You better gird yourself up and be ready. But understand this. It's vital for us to move forward. The way you were saved, thank God for it. He invited you in. Yes, you're in the presence of God. But for us to move forward, it, for us to see all that God has, we have to move forward. There are dimensions in life that we can experience if we're willing to fight for all that God has for us. Are you willing this morning to pick up your bed, take that miracle that Jesus Christ has given you, to be able to be a blessing to share it? You know, Bethesda being a house of kindness, it's such a testimony of the church that when people come into this house, it ought to be one where miracles can happen. Rather than a hindrance, saying, no, 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 I don't want you to be blessed. I don't want you to succeed. I don't, I don't want your marriage to be blessed. I don't want, it, it's, that is the opposite. When we come into this presence of Jesus Christ, the testimony of the house of kindness needs to be that God is moving supernaturally in every area. The question is, are you a part of that? Do you all want to see all that God has? Because we're in the right place this morning. God has brought us here. And you're in the right place. God can help you. God can guide you. And we can move forward together. But it's time to move, church. Hallelujah. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. No one moving around just for a few moments.